Welcome to 2LO Rebooted, where we tell the stories of BBC Design and Engineering. I'm Bill Thompson, speaking to you from the cafe in the Arcade of Bush House, now home to King's College London, but formerly the home of the BBC's World Service. Well, after a bit of a hiatus, we're back with a special report from the Blue Room's Colin Warhurst about his recent visit to Photokina, the world's largest photographic and imaging trade fair. It takes place in Cologne, but he was up in Salford. And we're outside the Blue Room on the fifth floor in, oh, which house is that? I never forget. Key House. We're in Key House. I, I always get them confused. You'd think after all these years I'd know, but the names just don't, they're no relationship to... Posh hotels. That's right, yes. We're on the fifth floor in Key House, thank you. And I'm with Colin Warhurst from the Blue Room, and you've been off on the conference and uh, exhibition trail again. Yes, so Spencer Marsden and I, my colleague from Blue Room, we got two conferences uh, for the price of one, if you like. Um, we went to Photokina in Cologne, so that's the world's uh, biggest uh, photography and imaging trade fair. That's been held every two years for the past 50 years in Cologne, uh, but that's changing as of next year. And this year they had a sub-conference as part of that called Digility, and that was all about virtual reality and augmented reality. So Spencer kind of covered that, that's his area of expertise, and then I covered the photographic stuff at Photokina. And why are we looking at photographs? We don't take photographs, we're the BBC. It's all, it's all moving images and, and sounds and things like that. So you're right, broadly speaking, the BBC doesn't do photography in the sense that we do video and audio. Obviously, we use still images everywhere, but I think they mostly come in through agencies and that kind of thing. Uh, we don't have our own photographic output. But watching what the photographic industry does can point uh, give us useful indicators of what the audience is thinking in a certain technology area, which is what the Blue Remit is. And there's sometimes knock-on effects for all things broadcast and video as well. So it's useful to look at imaging technology as opposed to photographic equipment. That's kind of the angle we try and take on it. I think that's a good angle. I know that sort of my son's a filmmaker. He just uses a DSLR, you know, he, because it's all he can afford. Um, but obviously it's the video um, imaging on that, but that's based on developments in sort of standard camera technology. So, so what did you find? What, what have we observed? So this year, um, it was a funny year because lots of cameras were announced, but not necessarily sort of unveiled at the show. Some have been announced previous to the event. Some were now announced at the event, but there's only prototypes on display. But the thread running through the event, very broadly speaking, is that mirrorless as a camera format, body format, is here to stay now. So a little bit of a primer. Um, DSLR technologies, di di a digital single lens reflex. The single lens reflex is the one-way mirror you get in bigger cameras that allows you to look down the viewfinder and see what the lens sees. When you take the picture, the mirror moves out the way, exposes the film or the sensor, and you get a picture and that lovely clunking sound. Mirrorless technology um, is a kind of an umbrella term that means actually we can take all this mechanical stuff out and totally swap it for electronics. So the optical viewfinder that needed the mirror has now gone and been replaced with a high-quality screen, and the sensor just shows you what it is seeing. As a result of taking all those mechanisms out, the camera body can become much smaller, but the sensor can be the same size. So you get the same image quality in a lighter, smaller body. So mirrorless as an idea has been around for a while, but only really Sony have been playing with it at the full frame format. Now every major vendor has dipped the toe in the mirrorless water. I think tradition goes a long way. Photographers have held onto DSLR, and DSLRs will absolutely still be around for a long time to come. There's a lot of prestige held with that. But now they're all also running uh, a mirrorless format as well. So they, they're going to have to get used to eating into their own market a bit, but they've seen which way the wind is blowing. And does this mark another transition on the camera being 
just another specialized computer, as in it's a general purpose computer that happens to be used in this case for imaging? Um, a little bit. I mean, alongside doing all this, uh, you, you are getting faster video codecs thrown in. So the computing power in these cameras uh, are being beefed up quite a bit to handle video requirements. I mean, photography, uh, you get more megapixels for your book and all that, all that kind of stuff, more uh, sensitive photo sites with better ISO, low light, you get better autofocusing. So there's certainly more processing grunt in these things as the years go on. But it's the enablement and the addition of video requirements in there that means you've got to throw some serious processing power into these portable computers that have lenses attached to them. Um, it's not quite as on the nose uh, as being a portable computer. We've seen sort of camera smartphone hybrids over the years. They've always been rubbish. But there was one camera that was announced, the ZX1, I think it is. Let's refer to my... The Zeiss ZX1 camera, which has been touted as having Adobe Lightroom built in. So I missed the announcement for that. Um, I had to check the website for the press release on the day. Uh, it turns out it's the smartphone, smart app version of Adobe Lightroom. So took the wind out the press sales a little bit. It's not a kind of desktop version. That being said, that makes perfect sense. The the mobile version, the smart version of Adobe Lightroom is still very powerful. I have it on my phone, which lets me take and edit raw pictures. So having that built into a chunky camera, which has got a fairly decent lens on it, Zeiss make very good lenses, um, and it's got a 512 gigabyte solid state drive in it, so you don't even use cards. So in the long report that we write in, I kind of have a go at Photokina for saying it talks a lot about being about the future and innovation, but actually it's just camera evolution as normal. The One of the few exceptions is this Zeiss ZX1, uh, because it's not cheap, it's five grand's worth of camera, but it's the closest thing I saw to someone going, we're going to try and reinvent the wheel a little bit. So it's a kind of solid state processing thing with a lens on it and Lightroom built in. That just sounds like it'd be loads of fun to have in my pocket. And as a professional tool, I mean, you can imagine pulling that out and being able to, to create images on the fly, upload them without having to carry around a laptop or anything else with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, you know, for the top end professional gigs, you're still going to want to take a big camera. You're still going to want to edit afterwards. But that kind of run and gun or anything in the, in the, in the medium ground in this social media instant news generation age, then yeah, having that in your bag is going to be a really powerful piece of kit, actually. And then does the sort of the evolution of camera technology you're talking about tell us anything about just the vast number of images we see online about the growth of sites like Instagram and other places where, where people upload photos? Is, is this unassailable now? Is this what we actually, it was the internet basically invented for high quality, deep focus cat pictures. <laughs> I, I wish I'd have more information to answer this question from Photokina, but again, one of the great frustrations I have with the event is that, in fairness, they'd say it's all about the trade show, uh, and it is. There's nobody talking about these issues. There's nobody talking about the fact that all the images we see these days are from social media websites and maybe a couple of news websites thrown in the mix, you know, just for good measure. Um, there's nobody mentioning social media platforms or where you put these pictures afterwards. It's like the elephant in the room. It's, it's bizarre. It's all about the kit used to take this stuff on and no discussion about what, what happens with it afterwards. And I think Photokina are missing a trick there. There's, there's, there's reams of conversation and innovation and money to be made in discussing or doing or making products for these areas. But at the minute, it's just all about the acquisition end. Because that's, it's, you're right, it is strange. I mean, I remember years ago, this is 15 years ago, more, when the first SD cards started appearing that had Wi-Fi built into them. So you put a, you had an ordinary camera, you put a card in it that would allow your pictures to be automatically uploaded. 
I would expect, as well as having Adobe Lightroom and stuff like that, I'd have you know, automatic Snapchat, Instagram, upload social media just built into the camera now. Broadly speaking, cameras have had some sort of Wi-Fi connect to your phone connectivity, but and I'm speaking from the camera that I use, brand extraordinary nameless, it's not always seamless and it's a bit clunky. It's actually better to go, do you know what, I'll wait till I'm back at base, plug it into a laptop and do it the old-fashioned way. It just, it just works. Uh, and there might also be a pricing thing. You know, professional photography, costs are coming down. It, it is more accessible than ever, but you still need to have some sort of disposable income or be into it as a hobby to really get into that Snapchat, Instagram sort of thing. There's lots of professional photographers also putting stuff onto Instagram, but it's almost always stuff they've edited in the computer first because that's where the most sophisticated editing tools lie. Uh, at Photokina, it's overwhelmingly for grown men, uh, professional photographers. The only sort of company that made an effort to appeal to the youth was in uh, Fujifilm's Instax, with instant camera sort of format. And basically anyone who was under 30 at Photokina was in that hall, taking pictures with the Polaroids, using their phones to share stuff to the printing station, printing calendars, posters, you name it, that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's kind of nice and encouraging. You can, you've got a whole younger generation of people physically printing media, which is quite rare in the digital uh, image-driven age that we're in. But the, yeah, the, the, none of the other companies are going to make an effort for anyone who doesn't have a couple of grand to spare on a piece of kit, unfortunately. So what are the big lessons for, for us here at the BBC? You say the Blue Room's around trying to understand the implications of what are consumer or prosumer technologies for us as an organisation. What, what do you take from it? For me, maybe with a filmmaking hat on, it, it, I was someone who was able to take advantage of the DSLR revolution, as you called it before. The fact that by accident, to begin with, you had full frame sensors that could then take video. So optically, you got images that looked incredibly cinematic. Whereas previously, if you made video, you were stuck with camcorders and everything looked like it was off you'd been framed. It completely changed the game. And in parallel to that, you then had this thing called the internet comes along where what you made some products, you made a film, and you could then just put it out there. Whereas previously, you had to knock on someone's door like the BBC uh, or try and get your uh, made as a film in cinemas. So every company in the world is now a media company. Everyone has to have a video presence. And it's, it's a great time because it's never, ever looked this good before. You could go up to pretty much any piece of kit at Photokina and know you could get video out of it. Now you go on the internet, a lot of the stuff will look better than our daytime TV stuff. And that's not sarcastic or being facetious. Daytime TV has its own budgets and constraints. But we live in a world now where the potential to look that cinematic and that good, it's, it's affordable. It's, it's out there. The, the learning curve is lower. I've wondered about, about making less films in recent years because the competition is so much better than I am. Everyone can now be a filmmaker to exceptional image quality. And I think that's why the BBC, that's the message for the BBC is that there's a little bit of we've got to watch out for the competition, which is now our own audiences to a certain extent. There's a little bit of we've got to up our own game. We say it's because of Netflix that the new Doctor Who looks incredibly cinematic. I think that's a big part of it, but also the fact that anything and everything can look as cinematic now. So we, we really have to keep pushing the envelope. We can't sit on our technical laurels anymore. And you can find a full write-up from Colin online. Just look for Colin Warhurst Photokina on a convenient search engine and it will be delivered to you. Well, thanks for listening to 2LO Rebooted. If you have a story for us or would like to talk about your work in d &E, do get in touch with me, Bill Thompson. We'll try to get back to a regular schedule.